What happens if your boss takes back a benefit? This week, we want to have a conversation around what happens when your boss suddenly says that benefit that they once gave you is no longer available, or if you find out that certain members of your team get benefits you didn't know anything about. It's a really exciting conversation on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And let's face it, there's been a lot of discussion about the current veterinary workforce shortages, and we've heard employers go to astounding lengths to attract and hire new folks. But at the same time, there seems to be this little ripple of conversations around, wait a second, they're actually changing some of the rules for existing employees, maybe even removing or taking back or scaling back certain benefits. So this week, we want to talk about what you should know and what we're hearing in our worlds and how you can better prepare. So Becky, this is uh, this is actually happening. Yeah, this one, I hate this actually, because I have heard and and we've had people reach out where, you know, they have, and and it doesn't have to be a huge benefit, right? Like we're not saying like, oh, we had life insurance or health insurance and they're wiping it out, but there's these certain perks. Let's call them perks. Perks, good. That come with the job. Maybe it's, oh, we, they buy us a pair of shoes every year or it's a CE benefit or, um, you know, uniform allowance or you you bring them your pets to work. And then all of a sudden for various reasons, these are getting rolled back or eliminated. And the discussion, I think, is different than it ever used to be with this whole new sort of attitude I feel like a lot of veterinary professionals have of, why am I doing this? And those little perks, a lot of times, are why they're doing it. So scaling it back or taking them away is actually causing a lot of effect. Right. And I, I like this this sort of framing it as a perk. Now, viewfinders, we're actually talking about benefits because many times this is what your boss actually gives you. So we'll call this part of your package. But, you know, Becky, it's, it's as subtle as, you know, free vaccines for your pets, right? Yeah. Or, or free little whatevers, those little things that sort of add up at the end of the day and make your job more enjoyable. And it does lead to loyalty, in my opinion. And one of the things that I wanted to kind of talk to you also about viewfinders is that there seems to be this disconnect between the new hires and they are being lured with some pretty amazing packages. And then suddenly existing folks are going, wait, where's mine? And I'm hearing this a lot, Becky, with associate veterinarians. They're coming to me and saying, hey, you know, this person was just hired on. They got this massive sign-on bonus. They're getting all these CE perks and so forth. And I'm sitting here stuck with my old package and they, they feel sort of like they've been cheated. I feel like it's like when you're watching TV and you realize like, a, you know, somebody who newly comes on to a cell phone company can get all these benefits. And you're like, I've been with you yeah. 15 years. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's, it is. And I hear that even on the tech side, right? Like that there's a big sign-on bonus for a technician. And then there's like, well, what about the loyalty bonus? What about those of us that have been there? And we've talked about this before, right? Because it's Catch-22. You want help. I have to do what I have to do to get them here. Um, so it is kind of a, a double-edged sword, in my opinion, for these new hired in bonuses, but you're right. There then becomes a negotiation point, right? And so if they say, well, our clinic offers X amount of dollars of CE, X amount of dollars of uniform, blah, blah, and then all of a sudden that new hire is negotiating and saying, well, I actually need this much CE and I need this much allowance, and it's granted, right, so that, that you can get that new hire on board and relieve the shortage, 
Do you then go through and up everybody's CE bonus or match what that new hire got? Or do you leave it sort of in the dark and hope nobody finds out? Right. And and that's a really good point. So I'll tell you a, a story that I encountered about a couple of months ago. It was the beginning of the year, and they had brought on a new associate, and this associate was asking me for advice on how to handle this. And so they found out uh, through the, the proverbial coconut telegraph that one of the new hire veterinary associates had been given a considerably larger CE package, right? And so this meant, you know, dollars to go to a conferences or whatever, right? And it included a couple of memberships and like the AVMA and other things or state medical that that they were not currently given. And this young associate was saying, what do I do? Do I go ask my boss or manager? Like, do I confront them? You know, why didn't they bring it up to me? I feel like they should should come to me and t- have this conversation. And, you know, Becky, I really had to sort of throw it back and say, you know what? You're only going to get what you ask for in this situation. Turns out, viewfinders, if you want a little fast track, she did go to her boss. She did say, hey, I am aware of this situation. You know, what do you think about this? You know, do you think this is fair? And the boss immediately capitulated and said, you're absolutely correct. I'm sorry. It was an oversight on our part and gave it to them. Whether or not it was truly an oversight, Becky, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. you know, the reality is the person did get an equitable sort of package. But you know, you're also, I mean, I know you and I in the pre-call were talking about you're hearing it from technicians as simple things, right? Like that has to do with their pet care, which I think is even more interesting. Yeah, I mean, right. Like it, like you were saying, whether it's free vaccines and we can no longer do free vaccines or Um, You know, bringing your pet to work. I know, like, bringing your pet to work is a huge benefit for a lot of us. We are super codependent with our pets. But more importantly, we work really long, unpredictable days. And for those that are single and it's not an option for their pet, for them to drive home and and let their pet out because we're not guaranteed our lunch breaks, a little (laughs) asterisk there, Uh, or because of this inflation, right, gas is now $4 a gallon in a lot of places, and I can't drive home and back affordably. So... You know, that but but and we've talked about this before, pets in the workplace, for example, um, getting your pet taken care of in the workplace with everyone being so overloaded. Things have changed, right? The clinic dynamic has changed and they're now saying, Yep, this used to be something we could do and now it's not as manageable. So we're not going to do it anymore. I don't know that they necessarily feel it's a big effect, but they might not realize how important it is to any one of their employees. Um So then it becomes when an employee comes to you and says, I'm not okay with that. Like we can't, you're taking away this perk or this benefit that's actually a huge motivator to why I work here. Right. Um, Then what? Because do we allow this one employee to maintain the benefit but nobody else? Yeah, and, and, and this is real-life dilemmas, viewfinders. I mean, I know you, I'm, I'm sure there are several of you right now who just want to break through your speakers or whatever and go, yeah, yeah it's happening here. And and you're right, Becky, it's a little bit of the squeaky wheel. And and I'll give you some real-world context, and, and Becky, I'm sure you can, can chime in as well on this. But, you know, bringing your pet to work is a big perk. And I know so many veterinary technicians who don't have human children. And so for them, you know, this is sort of like a child care perk. And so... So, you know, that's that's a big deal. And when you take that away, if you have been letting them do this and then suddenly for whatever reason, and there are a lot of legitimate reasons, but when you take it away, you better be able to replace it or something, you know, because I, I can tell you, Becky, it does affect the morale. And, and what happens even worse many times, Becky, is if if you then grant an exemption, <laughs> an exception yeah. to this one person, you then start to build up, you know, animosity 
between the other team members. Right? They're like, well, why does she get it? Oh, because she was she pitched a fit to the manager and they let her bring her dog every day for free. And I asked them and they said they can't, we don't have room for them or whatever. I mean, so Becky, walk me through that. If you're a manager and you're sort of caught in this dilemma, what, what are some, what's some bits of advice you might want to share with them? Well, I think first and foremost, and we've talked about this before, is getting the team involved. If there's going to be a rollback or there's going to be some kind of restrictions, it isn't the kind of thing that you can give them overnight notice and say, hey, this isn't allowed anymore. It's something that we have to conversation in our work team meetings and say, hey, management has come to me with these concerns. And because of these concerns, they now want to do X, Y, or Z. How do you guys feel about that? Do you see any other solutions? Do we see any other way we could fix this if this is something that's really important to you guys? If it's not that important, let's just roll with it and, you know, pick our battles. So I think, again, it has to be a conversation. And then if it is something, so say, like, I think that bringing your dog to work is good because there's, like, a real life involved there, right? Like, if we're saying no more free vaccines, well, it's like, okay, well, maybe I could find a free vaccine clinic in my town. Like, I could come up with solutions for that. But if I have a dog or, you know, the cat you can hear in the background who's, like, (laughs) coming to work with me and then all of a sudden can't. I need to make other arrangements. I mean, even now when I travel, I get a pet sitter because my dogs aren't used to being alone all day. And they come and they let their do- the dogs out while my husband's at work because that, but I, I have to make that arrangement. Um, and if it's going to cost me money, I'm going to be looking at my clinic saying, okay, hey, if you're taking this benefit or this perk away, it's going to cost me money. I'm going to either have to start driving home at lunch or I'm going to have to get a dog walker. So what can you you do there? I mean, there just has to be more conversation around it. It can't just be we're creating this problem in your life. We're leaving you to fix it. It has to be fixed by tomorrow, and we're sorry if it doesn't work for you. Right, and I do see that this could be the tipping point for certain employees. If you yeah. do take away, restrict, somehow amend these benefit packages, these perks that they're used to getting, that they're expecting, then they may leave you, right? And there may be a clinic that can offer them. I, I will tell you, viewfinders, I'm a little concerned because I am also hearing from the ownership side uh, that I, you know, I, and I typically talk to a lot of practice owners around the country, and you know, they are starting to say, hey, you know, with inflation and with increased expenses and you know, with me having to hire these new people at, at, at high wages, that they're starting to say, how can I cut, you know, yeah. this cost? And so I think this is just about to become an issue. Like, honestly, viewfinders, I think we're talking about something that later this year, everybody's going to be talking about. I hope I'm wrong on that, but I I feel pretty certain that that the economy is about to be blamed for a lot of a lot of your ills and your practices. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think it's probably already been happening to some extent with COVID, right? Where we're saying right. like, well, because of COVID, you can't just be bringing extra things in and out of the clinic that could be carrying COVID, right? So you can't have your dogs in and out of the clinic. Or, you know, maybe it's my dog hasn't had a dental in two years because we've been so busy, there hasn't been any time to do it. So even though it hasn't been formally taken away, it hasn't been facilitated either. So whether it's a formal removal of the perk or the benefit or whether it's just we haven't been able to keep up and manage, I think you're absolutely right because we are already seeing this quote-unquote mass exodus. We are seeing technicians and staff. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I see on social media a post, a picture of someone hiring and it's 
exponentially larger than the technician is making. And it's a gas station, a Starbucks, a Chick-fil-A, right? Or whatever. I mean, there's so many more. You can go to a Petco and be a manager, right? And right. and make twice as much as you're making and have the benefits and have the the vacation days um, and, and actually have a, a ladder to climb. And so more and more people are saying, like, I don't, there's no reason for me to be doing this. And, and so I think those little perks, I think those little things that make the day worth it at this point because I can go back and hug my dog at lunch or because I know my pets. How many times do you hear a professional say, like, I, I, I do this to take care of my animals. You know, I do oh, this all for the heartworm prevention, right? Like All the time. All the time. So when you start taking away those minimal things that keep, you know, grasping that, that we're clinging to these strings of our profession, there's nothing left to hold on to. Yeah, that's a, a really good point, viewfinders, and and I totally agree with what Becky said. I can't tell you the number of employees that I have personally employed over the years that said that exact reason, that they came, they wanted to work in my vet clinic, and oftentimes they even wanted, for me, for my veterinary care, but that's what they, that's why they do it, right? They could do any other things, but they're like, you know what, I love this because I can take care of my pets, I know that they'll be taken care of, or whatever those little personal, you know, drivers are, but they're real. The other thing too, Becky, I just want to kind of you know, as we slightly pivot this conversation today, and that is, you know, this this new generation, and I'm going to use that term loosely, of employees. So now we are out there soliciting people, most of them credentialed veterinary professionals, but some are not. And like you mentioned, they are now saying, whoa, Starbucks is paying over $15 an hour. You know, you can go to Petco and get made and make a lot of money. Um, this is creating some friction within the clinic because there are people that have been there for 10 or 15 years and suddenly they're seeing a new hire be catapulted and, and wage above them. And, and Becky, I mean, how, how are we going to manage that? Seriously, this, this is, I'm yeah. hearing more and more of that. Well, first of all, let me say this. There's a huge misnomer that clinics love to circulate that says it's illegal to talk about your wages. And I think it's really important for everyone to know that it is absolutely not illegal to talk about your wages. It's illegal to talk about other people's wages. So um, I can't tell you what Johnny that I work with makes, but I can absolutely tell you what I make. And so if your clinic tells you you're not allowed to talk about your salary, it is because they have something to hide. Um this is where there has to be classifications in the clinic. You have to be your levels one, two, three, and four, or your experience level, you know, uh, five or below, five to 10, 10 to 15, right. 15 or more, whatever that looks like. If you don't have a structure, if you are working outside of that, people are going to find out. They're going to be mad. And you might have people like that associate who will go to you and say, hey, this isn't cool. Most of the time they're going to say, hey, here's my two weeks notice. And you may be able to dig out from them what the problem is. You may be able to recoup and recover and keep that employee, uh, but you might not. It might be the straw that broke the camel's back. There might be a list of things, and then that's just the one. The other problem for this to me is it creates – tension and it creates this this toxic work environment because there's a resentment off the bat that you make more money than me and I've been here right. longer and now it's affecting your team at all levels yeah and and again this is where the conundrum is that I'm hearing because 
even in the better clinics that have sort of published wage scales, as Becky is saying, and I strongly support that as well, but they're going, I can't hire at that old level, you know, and then what are you going to do? Like change the whole thing. And Becky, I think we're kind of in that era where you may have to. Yeah. I'm, for me, it's like, I'll, I'll say it again. If you can't, then you are running your, your, your clinic on the backs of your employees. If you don't have the money to pay them a living wage, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And if this new hire says, I have to make X amount of dollars to live, and that's a reasonable amount of dollars, the rest of your team probably needs that much to live too. Um, And you're probably leaving them out in the cold. You probably are going to lose them. Um, I think that times are going to change where these, unfortunately— Independent clinics who can't pay a living wage are not going to make it. They're either going to have to sell out to corporate, they're either going to have to change their model, or they're going to have to close their doors. Yeah, and this gets us right back to why we're having this conversation today, because in the old days, the way these small independently owned clinics, including my own, competed was with these perks, right? I mean, so we made it so that it was like, hey, yeah, you get free vet care, you know, within reason, you know, you get a free dental a year, you get free blood tests, you know, all that kind of stuff, right, that we would add in that package. That made it worthwhile because then you go, okay, I get it. I could work, make more money at the bank, but, you know, I really like all these other perks. So, Becky, this is where this stuff becomes salient to today's conversation because I think what's going to happen and what is beginning to happen is people going, okay, fine. So we're going to raise you up to $16 an hour, but we're taking away your free vaccines for your pets. We're taking away, you know, you bringing your dogs in to board for free or whatever, right? I mean, that's that's how I think they're going to make it up somehow. So we got to be very careful that we continue to create an atmosphere that is open and welcoming and providing the benefits that our employees want. And I think that right now, if like Becky said, and, and we'll say this a thousand times on this podcast for the next 20 years, as long as we're doing it, it's you need to involve your team in these conversations. You need to go to them and say, okay, here's the situation. What do you guys think? Is there another solution? You know, how do we make this work? And then you'll find, you know, if you can get them that buy-in with that decision, Becky, then you're much more likely to not create all of these, these, you know, these conflicts between people. Hopefully. I mean, hopefully, yeah. hopefully it's, it's a matter of transparency. It's a matter of communication. Everything is, we, it, it is the foundation of almost every conversation we have. Um, but I think it's also, I guess I just want to say is like, give your employees some credit. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like right. they're going to know, they're going to find out. They're going to be upset. Don't act surprised. Like, get in front of it. Don't be the manager who's like, oh, yeah, that's total oversight on our part. It never occurred to us you'd want this lovely benefit package. <laughs> right, you know right. what I mean? That's crap. And don't blow smoke at me. Fix it or don't, right? But the transparency, the honesty is going to get you way ahead of trying to come up behind it because, again, your employees are watching. Yeah. And and again, I don't know what the benefits package for your clinic looks like, but I think you should be having these conversations with your coworkers. Like I really think right now your techs, your, you know, assistants, your receptionists, your associates should probably get together and say, Hey, you know, uh, I get this much CEL, (laughs) you know, I get this membership paid for, you know, how does that stack up with everybody out there, you know, and then you can kind of go from there. What, what I think that the, again, for me, the biggest danger is to have this big disparity amongst the same role that will just totally destroy uh, your team. 
Well, and I'll push back a little bit on what you said in terms of an employee meeting, and I think this is what a staff meeting looks like. Totally hey, hey, guys, this is what it looks like. It is spelled out, and I, as your manager, am more than happy to stand in front of all of you and talk about this because it is that transparent. And if it, and I want it on the table so you don't feel like you have to talk about it behind my back or figure it out or, or see if everybody's – you know, making the same or did somebody pour, pull a, a straw? Totally agree. I also think this is good initiative for assistants or kennel techs or other professionals who are not credentialed in the clinic to see what they could get if they continue to grow the ladder. I think it gives people a feeling that there is going to be more benefits down the road and that you do grow into additional money and benefits. Um so I think it's a conversation that should be had. It should be transparent. And if it's not something you're proud to talk about, you probably don't have good benefits. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I'll tell you too, viewfinders, like I think we need to be really skeptical of some of these new sort of, you know, VC funded startups out there that are offering big things. And because is it sustainable? Like, you know, we're really going to have to watch this closely and see if does it match up with reality? You know, are they really just, you know, blowing a lot of smoke? I don't know. I hope that I, I hope that things continue to move forward, but I also know that, you know, when the, the money runs out, typically people start to roll these things back. And the final thing too, Becky, just as, as we're kind of wrapping up today's conversation, you know, I, I do want to, to sort of ask the, the viewfinder community a little bit around, okay, how, you know, how does this end, right? I mean, we can't just, you know, a, a veterinary associate, you know, I was, I was having this conversation with, with a group of owners here a, a few weeks ago, Becky, and it was like, you know, we were all in agreement, like, we can't afford to pay associates, you know, $250,000 a year, right? I mean, like, you know, especially starting salaries. One veterinary owner was saying, you know, that they were paying like $180,000 for a starting vet, which is like, wow, that's mind-blowing to me. But, you know, given their area, they were on the West Coast. I mean, I got it. But, you know, Becky, we do need to sort of start to determine, like, what does this, what really is fair? I think for too long, we've vastly underpaid, underutilized, under everything, our staff. But, you know, what does the top end look like too, Becky? I mean, have you given any thought to that? No, it's antitrust laws. You can't get together and talk about wages. No, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there has to like some. It reminds me of the housing market right now, right? You know, I, I don't know what it's like across the country, but in North Carolina, specifically Raleigh, it's out of control. Like there is, I think, like um, something like. Uh, a hundred buyers to every one house or something like that. There is almost nothing available in the Raleigh area under $300,000. And it's for very, very typical small housing, right? Uh, like even my own house has doubled since I bought it four years ago. So the, the housing market is like crisis. The houses are, the price of the house is through the roof. Nobody can afford to actually buy one. People are getting forced out of their homes because renters want to now sell the home. No one can afford rent anywhere because mortgages are so high. So it, it is got to pop, right? Like it can't continue on like this. It's not sustainable. Housing is an issue. People are going to become homeless. And that's what this reminds me of. Like this wage thing is becoming such an issue. And you're right. There is no like great formal structure. And because of the huge variations in wages, we, we've got to get it under control because again, it is going to shut down the little guy. It's going to turn everything over to corporate. And like you said, and for the listeners who don't know, VC is venture capital, where we have 
some of these big hospitals that you may not realize are being paid for by investors. They're not making a profit on their own. Um, and so what Dr. Ernie's saying is eventually that account, that bank account, that allowance is going to run out. And then what happens? So I think that this bubble is going to burst. Um, I think there are going to be a lot of chips that fall when it does. And our our profession is going to be in a lot of turmoil until it does. Yeah. And again, you know, these are just those conversations that I, I want us to to have out there as professionals. You know, again, I don't have the answer. I, I don't know. You know, I'm not trying to set an upper or lower limit. I'm just saying we need to discuss it because, you know, it, there there are limits to what, you know, people can pay for pet care, just like there are limits to what people can pay for human health care. I mean, there are limits to everything. And so I think it's just a good conversation to have. The one caution that I will say when I've been in these conversations recently is that they are using that as another excuse to limit what we're paying, especially our techs and associates. So, you know, yeah. I am fighting for for increase in the wage because I still think we have some upward mobility there. But the reality is, you know, I'm also starting to look down the road. And finally, Becky, the last thing I want to ask the viewfinders today, I've been hearing this a lot with with relationship to this topic today of benefits and all that stuff is that most performance reviews, performance evaluations, you know, sort of got paused during the pandemic. And now people are scheduling their performance evals, which as we know, many workers view as this is when I ask for a raise, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so that's all happening right now too. And I think that's why these conversations are starting to, to pop up. Are you hearing the same thing from, from the vet tech side of things? You know, like suddenly it's like, oh yeah, we're talking about it and now things are changing. You know, I think unfortunately um, evaluations are something that don't happen regularly enough in, in, my world, um, I think with with corporate exchanges, it is getting better. But, um, you know, unfortunately, no. And I think that's why a lot of technicians don't know when to ask for a raise or what's appropriate. And they aren't given that kind of opportunity. So um, but you're right. I do think it is kind of the time of year for the folks that are doing it. I think a lot of people are trying to play catch up at this point because we have sort of hit a lull where we're like, OK, I think we're we're. You know, we've used new norm for so long, but I think people are kind of hitting a stride at this point now. Um, and things are kind of returning a little bit somewhat to normal um, to what they're they're more accustomed to working within. So it'll be interesting to see. But I don't think, you know, it'll ever not be an issue. So I don't see this as just like, oh, annual review time. I think for technicians, it's a different struggle. Yeah, and and viewfinders, I would really like to hear your opinion on this whole. I, I, I'm so tired of it. It's such a cliche and noisy and nonsense new normal. Honestly, I'm not seeing a lot of sticking changes, you know? I mean, like the changes that I'm seeing typically are around wages that we've talked about ad nauseum, especially even today. I've seen the changes around like fee structures and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, honestly, Becky, I'm seeing most clinics just kind of go back to the way they were in 2020, you know, before this whole pandemic Yeah, began. because that's how we've always done it. And that's where we're the most comfortable right. in the veterinary field, right? Like we just go back to how we've always done it. Um, and we're always short. We're always busy. And so it is really hard to get in front of these changes because we go back to the tried and true that everybody knows how to work with. But um, I think at the same time, everyone's living at a little bit higher level of stress knowing that change is coming. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. The one thing that has stuck is the stress. Like, yeah. so that's a good point. Yeah. But you know, Becky, I'm, I'm kind of tired of people saying, oh, we're in the new normal now. It's like, it kind of feels like the old normal just with added stress. And, and in some places you got paid a little more. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I think it depends on who you are and 
though. Like, I think about the people, like, my sister has kids, and I think the new normal is never knowing if they're going to be in school or not. The new normal is always being ready to pull them out because of a COVID exposure. Um, The new normal is being able to lock yourself down for five days of an exposure or paying more attention to when you're sick and not being out as much. So I think there is a quote-unquote new normal, but I think— It is, like you said, it's cliche. I think the new normal is living in a space that's abnormal, and that's just what people are getting used to. Yeah, and and again, the one thing I hope that will stick is the emphasis on self-care and wellness. Like, you know, because I I do think that the one thing that an existential threat such as a global pandemic can can fuel is going to be, you know, hey, take care of yourself because, you know, your health is actually the most important thing. So I do hope that sticks around. But I'm just speaking specifically like to how the day to day clinic life goes. It seems to me it's it's kind of much, much the same, you know, and and for good and bad. Right. I mean, so I'll I'll say there's definitely a lot of good uh, as well. Yeah, I think I think health and family are are as as much as it has ever been, if not more, um, becoming a priority. And people are having to be flexible around it because, again, right. what am I supposed to do if school closed my kids at home? Right. And so I think there was a time where we really would have not been tolerant of that in the clinic, and we've had to become so. And so I think, there, I, you know, there's That's, good in every situation. Yeah. Um, but with all of this change, just please remember to continue to be transparent with your employees. And I think that's, you know, the bottom line of all of this. That is right. So viewfinders, what do you think, you know, are you hearing about perks and benefits and wage discrepancies? Are you hearing these same issues that we're hearing out there? If so, what are you doing to combat it? And more importantly, what are you doing to prevent it? That's right. Let us know what's going on in your clinic, how you're doing. Uh, Have you lost or gained? You can reach us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder, on Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder, and shoot us an email at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's right. And tell us how you're adapting. We want to know what perks that you get. Let us know. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye. Bye.